what's the miss? <laughs> no, oh, 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 on a serious note. Um... Yo, <laughs> welcome back to Walasa, huh? My name is Dominique Norales. We've been gone all summer. Um, I, I kind of ended the season abruptly. I didn't say that it was the end of the season. I just kind of left. <laughs> and I apologize for that. Uh, each season is only, gonna, only going to have, sorry, nine episodes. And so what we can what we can squeeze into that, we'll get into that. Um, but this remains a space where we don't display our discipline. Um, but the goal is to remain as consistent as possible. I've had huge plans for the summer. Like I wanted to do a whole series and I didn't. Partly because, or mostly because, or only because I did. <laughs> I had an internship. So I had applied for an internship at my local government at the Belize City Council months before I left Barbados and they had answered me like just before i was to get to belize and so i was doing all this planning prior because i'm like oh they're probably not gonna give me the internship so let me figure out how i'm gonna use my time wisely and then i got the internship so i had to pivot and change my plans and the podcast would have would have taken me um money to produce so i would have been in a deficit either way even if i had gotten help from friends and colleagues who would have no doubt helped me but it would have cost me money either way because I know and I like work people for free um this is not it but yes we're here now we're back and we're launching season two and I want to thank you for remaining here with me and listening to me I do appreciate you taking out 30 minutes of your day um your commute your break your sanity break at work to just to just listen to me and my rants there's of course always much conversation to be had and so much to say about government policy which i have a feeling will, will dominate this season um from 11th amendment to vaccine mandates um a commitment to education a recommitment to education and how we do education crime 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 and of course poverty eradication because i do i think a lot of policies starts from the premise of poverty alleviation which to me doesn't isn't enough like we have to aim for eradication of poverty you know sustainable development goal one no poverty that's what we what we should be going for but a lot of our policy aren't in line with that um and i can tell you from personal experience and anecdotally that the hardest job that any human being has, especially a human being who was born within a country that was formerly colonized and a country who seems to have a political ideology of like a commitment to neoliberalism um, or rather neocolonization, I think is more accurate. Like we, the hardest job is, is, is being poor, bro. Like... The hardest job is being poor and i think we a lot of us know the story when you know like you have the like you have somebody who needs something like new boots i think that's the 
the item they use in the store where okay so i'm poor so i have to buy like the 20 dollars boots but you rich you could buy the 150 dollars boots but that 150 dollars boots or 160 dollars boots is going to last you longer years while my 20 dollars boots are bust up every month and i still have to buy it because i need the boots i need the fucking boots so like it's more expensive to be poor that's a great contradiction of poverty and the violence of poverty Poverty is really the most violent form of human torture there is. Of course, that's it. That's up for debate, but that's one of my beliefs. Um, <laughs> last year, actually, I wrote a reflection on Independence Day and I pivoted it on the decolonization of thought. And it was called a national perspective. I'll, I'll link that in the description box below. It was called a national perspective and i think even today it still still applies <clears throat> what it was doing is it was interrogating um interrogating what decolonization means within the context of belize um but it spoke a lot about leadership right and it was spurred really by of course living in a pandemic and and then of course like leaving home i was i was freshly like out of belize i was in barbados and i was constantly thinking about my country's independence and so i was thinking about talking a lot about leadership and when i talk about when i think about leadership i think about myself within leadership because that is the most intimate relationship i have with leadership leadership of self and i think about james baldwin when he said that um and i quote this he said, he said that I, as a black writer, must in some way represent you. No, you didn't elect me. And I didn't ask for it, at least in my context, not yet. Um, but here we are. You are here. Here we are. You're listening to me give a 30 minute podcast about things that I think about while I brush my teeth, while I shower, while I catch a very loud and crowded ZR to Bridgetown, um, specifically Broad Street or Swan Street. And, and so my definition of leadership, of good leadership, every time I think about it, is someone who remains human in a world that has taught us that we must dehumanize ourselves to get ahead, um, and lose and forget empathy right it's someone who reads understands and writes power it's someone who delegates and allows those around them to learn um but also our students themselves it is not <laughs> it is not using the position to flaunt and abuse your access to power but rather to use your power to make space for empowerment now that's a lot of power now i don't watch the the series power so please don't ask me I don't know. I have, I think I, I can't commit to series. Even my favorites, like Dear White People and Rick and Morty. I don't even think I've seen all the Rick and Morty episodes yet. Maybe like two left. I want to start watching Boondocks though, but I digress. So that is what empowerment is. And this can be applied anywhere really. On a guild, in a government, in a deplorably weak opposition. Um, in your home and even in your romantic relationships um, 
so as I bid happy birthday to my country, a country that I love, I cannot even put into words how important it is for me to be Belizean. That has to be destiny. It's my favorite place in the world. And um, here's my dissertation on why it should be your favorite place in the world too. Uh, okay. I am very unfocused right now. But yes, we love Belize over here. We love that for us. I love that for me, that I'm Belizean. And so I ask you all to ponder on that question of what a true, true leadership. How do you define leadership? How do you know that you, you're being led by a good leader? What do you see and feel? What is palpable? What is tangible? How do you evaluate that relationship where you have entrusted someone with your power to lead you? You have, you have told this person, yes, here, I will share this power with you. Lead me and do well by me. Do well by yourself. Do well by the people who you say you represent. Um, because at its service, we, we ask, we ask no one to be a leader. At least not in our context. And I'm being very, very surface level with this. Like people put themselves up for these things. And then we say, oh, okay, these are options. Let's see who you want to be our leader. And so, um, even that may be part, a part of the problem that we wait until people say that they want to lead us to then figure out if they're a good leader, if they have all the traits and assets that we, we value. Maybe that could be a podcast in and of itself. I mean, that, that is this podcast because we're talking about leadership too, but, um, maybe we can delve deeper into that conversation and with someone else because I can't possibly have all the range to have a, a leadership conversation, not by myself. Um, so think about that question. Think about what leadership looks and sounds like to you. And then sort of try to look for that in people who have the courage and confidence, but also the traits to want to lead. There's a space, luckily, other than this podcast space and really all the other podcasts you listen to. Um, and so I'm about to share that. That space is called Bridging the Gap. It's a space led by two young women who I have, I met in high school. I was their, their class prefect for some reason. I was like a second or third former and they put me in charge of a fourth form class. And these two were two of the, um, the people who I remained in contact with after all these years. I graduated from high school in 2014. Wow. We are aging, but like fine red wine over here. Um, so yes, Annalise and Arian have this space called Bridging the Gap and it's a space that I sell once a month and we talk about, they propose a question and you come ready to share thoughts and ideas, visions and aspirations around that question. Um, whatever your style is, whether you're someone who critiques or someone who offers solutions or someone who's just there to listen to people. They offer a great space. And so 
you can definitely email them. The email is in the description box. It's an open space, but it's also a space by invitation. You don't have to fill out an application. Just literally say, hey, I'm, I don't know, Jordan or Richard. And I really want to join this space. And of course, there are rules because without rules, there won't be a, a fruitful conversation any at all. So link those guys. Um, before I go though, because I'm, I'm borrowing to the mark that I wanted to end this podcast, I have to congratulate my beloved, my elder, Evan X Hyde on being awarded the Z Edgel Literary Prize, which is, I think, the highest honor for a Belizean writer. And, um, of course, this is something that is, I think long overdue and very well deserved by him. I am grateful that he has been there for me. And it's it's so crazy because, you know, even before I met him, I remember the day I met him in the Amandala office when I was like pleading to write for the Amandala to the edit the then editor and the business manager. And um I remember that time so it, it's so endearing. But even before I only went to the Amandala, I didn't write to other newspapers because I really only wanted to write for the Amandala. And um he has been influencing my politics for a long time. Not only because of his own politics, but because he is someone who um I think encourages dissent. And has such wide range of experiences in this life and has no doubt even probably made mistakes in his own way. But um, he's someone I look to for much inspiration. And when I remember when I when I began this advocacy work, um, because I had read Evanex Hyde so much, my voice was very much influenced by that. And now today, my my own voice has and when I say voice I mean the way I talk my politics um that sort of thing has been influenced by that um in a, it, it, and it's uniquely my own um so yeah congratulations Evan Exide um there is there is much love there forever and always so as we close um I end with a poem from a great friend of mine, a historian, a cultural educator, um, who I I met in my line of work. Um, I think we we met at a space, at a meeting, somewhere, and then we reconnected again because we were giving speeches at this event, um, and ha- hosting talks with some young men. And we have been close since then. But I say all that to say that he wrote a poem to commemorate Dominique, commemorate Independence Day. You will hear birds in the background because I have my windows open while recording this. Um, And it's a poem that has us reflect and ponder on our gift of being goodly and godly and so that is where we end happy independence day 
to my home, my heart, my love, my people, my beliefs. We look forward to another 40 years of prosperity, another 40 years of growth, another 40 years of lessons, another 40 years of trotting forward to the best country that we can possibly be, the best country that our ancestors have imagined for us, and the best country that we imagine for ourselves. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>this poem is entitled the child is a builder it is written on the occasion of the 183rd anniversary of emancipation day the 223rd anniversary of the battle of st george's key and the 40th anniversary of belize's independence from the day we are born we carry the hope of our parents and our ancestors they see in a vision that we will do great things we inherit their strength, their resilience, and their knowledge. In us, they desire for us to be our best. And so, inspired by the power of their experience, they shout a refrain, this child must be a builder. The earth inherits us, and we find in it all that is needed for our growth. We learn of its ways and take note of those around us. We start to explore and take note of its beauty seeking to find in it what purpose is in store. Soon the earth shows us what we need, and in whispered voice says, this child must be a builder. At the coming of age, knowledge shines through. The girl must become a woman. The boy must become a man. The child must become an adult. Along the way, great lessons are learned. Lessons of love and joy, Lessons of pride and prejudice, lessons of injury and defeat. But at the coming of age, the earth provides some tools, and the child who is to be a builder discovers with excitement that the real tools needed for the build are all within. In the passage of time, the child hears a voice, and then several voices. It is the voice of the ancestors. It is the voice of reason and wisdom, which says in whispered breath, you, my child, you are a builder. In you I am well pleased. It was Bob Marley who said, even the biggest man is just a baby in this life. In the passage of time, the child has become a builder and sees that there is much to do. So he trods on day by day to do what is needed, thinking of philosophy and high ideals, acting with pragmatism and with purpose. And then he hears the voices again. My child, my child, in you I am well pleased. You are the builder we desired you to be. The child who has become a builder is pleased with himself. He asks himself, how have I made it this far? And then he remembers a voice he had heard in the desiderata. Go placidly amid the noise and haste. And remember what peace there may be in silence. You see, in spite of the child's best efforts, the world does not know what it has done. The child has been stoned and beaten. They shout, have you not yet come of age? And in response, she cries, but I am just a builder. 
It is true that there are men greater than me. So why must I endure? My ancestors have sent me to build. Are you not a builder too? In response, the child who is a builder only hears silence. And she knows that in the silence, it is a chance to build on. She looks over her shoulder and says to herself, I wish you were a builder too. I am the daughter of Kinich, the son of Eve, the overcomer of oppression, the builder of things great and small, the conscience of the ages, the maker of mistakes. But as my ancestors have ordained, a builder I must be. We have inherited a goodly heritage and a godly one too. Since no matter what you call him or her, there is divine in you too. In the beliefs of today, there is much to do. Find your purpose, take up your tools. Worry not about the challenges, since strife there will be. Worry only about building as we were ordained to be. As a child who is a builder sees the end of his days, he must ask, what have I built? And though he may build temples and palaces and places of rest, his greatest project will be what he has done for the rest. The ancestors have spoken. This child must be a builder. And now that he is at rest, she looks upon you now and in whispered voice says, This is my child in whom I am well pleased. And so... Inspired by the power of the experience and the wisdom of the ancestors, she shouts a refrain, This child must be a builder. Will you not build too?